What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. This is Talk with Audrey with your host, Audrey Adams. Here's a frightening statistic. According to the American Alzheimer's Association, there are 10 million Alzheimer's caregivers, 5.1 million or more with Alzheimer's, and cases are predicted to triple to 16 million by 2050. Who's at risk? Coming up on Talk with Audrey. Here now is Talk with Audrey. Top of the day to you, I'm Audrey Adams, and you're listening to Talk with Audrey. Joining me is Dr. Warshaw Faison. Dr. Faison has a unique position. She's the Assistant Director of the Institute for Research Minority Training on Mental Health and Aging and Clinical Director of the Alzheimer's Research and Clinical Programs at the Medical University of South Carolina. Welcome, Dr. Faison, to Talk with Audrey. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Doctor, who's at risk? Well, we all are at risk for Alzheimer's disease, but in particularly, African Americans and Hispanic populations appear to be two to three times more at risk than the Caucasian population. Mm. Um, This is extremely concerning um, to us, as it should be, because of the care that is needed in regards to Alzheimer's disease patients. We're not quite sure why African Americans are more at risk, but a number of things come to mind. One, age is a risk factor, is one of the biggest risk factors mm-hmm. for Alzheimer's disease. And our population is aging, and it's also diversifying. So we're seeing more and more African American people that are becoming older. Genes that may be related to Alzheimer's disease in Caucasian populations may not be as significant in the African-American population. So perhaps there may be unidentified genes yet discovered Mm -hmm. that may be increasing the risk. And then lastly, cardiovascular risk factors, for example, hypertension and cholesterol. And I know this is something that you we have hear educated. over and over and over again in our right. community. Those, those things keep coming up. They keep coming up, and I know you have educated the community about that as well. And yes. so those risk factors may be placing our community more at risk. Does heredity play a role in any of this? Well, interestingly enough, in the African-American community, when we have first-degree relatives, so mom, dad, brother, sister, we may be more at risk. For example, the risk in first-degree relatives may be as high as 43.7%. So, you know, the thing to think about in regards to risk, just because mom has Alzheimer's disease doesn't mean that the daughter or son is going to have Alzheimer's disease, but at least in our community, that puts an additional risk to us. So that's why it's so critical for us to know the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease so that um, when we become concerned, we need to go to our health professionals. But those numbers are, are frightening, though. Yes, they are. That's why outreach is so important. And there's a difference between Alzheimer's and dementia. Could you give us some more information on that? Because I think people think that they're one and the same. Correct. Dementia is 
um, an umbrella term, if you will. There are several types of dementia, Alzheimer's disease being the most common. Another type of dementia, for example, is vascular dementia, and that type of memory loss comes when people have had a stroke or they've had diabetes or hypertension um, that has affected their memory. Now, I understand that um, deaths as a result of Alzheimer's are increasing. What do people die from? Um, people may die a number of things. Um, when we think about um, Alzheimer's disease being a brain disorder, initially the areas in the brain that are associated with memory are affected. But as this disease continues to progress, it compromises other parts of the brain. And those other parts of the brain are responsible for how we live, how we breathe, for example, how our heart beats. Um, people may die of a number of things, you know, as this disease progresses. My guest today is uh, Dr. Warshall Faison, and we are talking about Alzheimer's. And we'll be right back after this. This is Morgan Freeman. Colorectal cancer is the second leading cancer killer of men and women over 50. Doesn't always cause symptoms but it can be prevented. Get screened. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Now, according to a report that you participated in sponsored by the Alzheimer's Foundation of America and Forest Pharmaceuticals, there's often a delay even in diagnosing Alzheimer's cases in the African-American and Hispanic communities. Why is that? Yes, this survey reported an average delay of 2.5 years in receiving a diagnosis, and um, the, that delay is due to many factors. The first main factor is that there are misperceptions in our community, in the African-American community, when it comes to Alzheimer's disease. Mm -hmm. For example, African-Americans, 37%, um, were significantly more likely to believe that Alzheimer's disease is a normal part of aging, mm -hmm. and they're twice as likely as Caucasians to believe that. Um, and so that was very, very troubling. Why is um, that, though? Well, we simply um, are less likely to, to dismiss the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. So we believe that, you know, mom or dad or Uncle Joe are simply just getting older. Mm -hmm. um, and we don't recognize that we should be concerned about their memory. That two and a half year delay, what does it mean? in terms of receiving adequate care for Alzheimer's? It means that we don't get the care that we need. We know due to research and clinical care when it comes to patients with Alzheimer's disease that the earlier um, we present to our office when we um, notice symptoms, the better off we are in the long run. For mm -hmm. example, patients are able to get access to the appropriate diagnosis they are able to get access to the appropriate treatment. Mm -hmm. Also, what's very, very important in regards to that time period is that the treatment team can be assembled and the family um, can come together to start planning for the future. If we delay that out, those steps aren't done. Alzheimer's also has, it has placed actually a tremendous financial burden on families over the years. So this, this planning is not just for medical care, but for financing the disease as well, or the maintenance of the disease. Absolutely. Oftentimes, patients may need um, daycare 
Mm-hmm. Um, they may need respite care. They may need in-home care. And so this allows the families to come together to decide, okay, how are we going to plan for the future of our loved one? I also understand, Dr. Faison, that Alzheimer's, as it concerns the health insurance that, that we all hopefully will have one day, because a lot of us still don't, is not covered by general health insurance because it's considered long-term care. Alzheimer's is considered long-term care. When we look at the cost that Alzheimer's has on our society, it's huge. Um, of, Of the latest report from Alzheimer's Association reported that direct and indirect costs mm-hmm. cost over $148 billion annually. That's a lot wow. of money. A lot of money. So that means there are a lot of families out there who are really being forced to choose either college for their children or caring for someone that they love a great deal. It does take a juggling act to balance all of the financial needs in the family when you're caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Faison, why are you so interested in this area? Well, um, in Charleston at the Medical University of South Carolina, that's all I do. I see patients on a daily basis Mm -hmm. that have Alzheimer's disease, and I work with their caregivers to educate them. Always been very fond of the elderly throughout my um, early childhood, um, and as well as in graduate school. Just love listening to their stories. Um, This disease impacts the entire family, and it allows me um, to work with families through the course of the illness. So that's why I was so pleased to know that the Alzheimer's Foundation of America was reaching out to minority communities to do this survey. So I was pleased to collaborate with them on this. Well, when we come back, Dr. Faison, I want you to talk about the emotional impact that Alzheimer's has on families and caregivers after this. Leave questions or comments about the show at 213-985-3383 or email talkwithaudrey at theadamsreport.com. This is Talk with Audrey. Welcome back to Talk with Audrey. My guest is Dr. Warshall Faison, and we're talking about Alzheimer's. Dr. Faison, before we went to break, you we really want to talk also about the emotional impact that Alzheimer's has on families and caregivers. Yes. Um, With Alzheimer's disease, it starts very innocently. Patients may complain of difficulty remembering names Mm -hmm. or difficulty remembering things. Now, all of us experience this from time to time. We may go to the mall and forget where we've parked our car. One of the things that we typically say is, you know, yes, some people may forget their keys, but if you forget what to do with your key, Mm. that's different. But it's very important for the audience to understand that once these subtle memory changes increase in frequency, they really need to go to their doctor to be appropriately assessed. Now, I understand that sometimes those symptoms can begin as early as age 35? Yes. I mean, generally when we think of Alzheimer's disease, we think of people that are 65 years of age and older. But yes, there is this early onset disease that may occur in the third or fourth decade of life. That's a little scary, isn't it? It is. It is. That's why it's so important to be informed because not all memory loss is Alzheimer's disease. But if so the difference then in, in sort of 
uh, memory loss that's associated with just the aging process and Alzheimer's would be, if you could just explain the difference. Yes. Some patients may experience subtle memory complaints, but they're able to take care of themselves. They're able to go about their activities of daily living. Nothing really is hindered in that process. Mm -hmm. But in some patients, their memory complaints become more and more frequent, and they gradually do hinder their ability to take care of themselves. For example, they forget to turn off the stove. They start burning food. They're mm -hmm. not able to organize their bills. So anytime someone is concerned about their memory, it's important to go to a health professional to be assessed so that all this can be teased out because memory loss can be a result of different things. Dementia being one, mm -hmm. and that's why we're here today talking. Yes. But there are other things. For example, stress may affect someone's memory. Vitamin deficiencies may affect someone's memory. Mm -hmm. And in regards to something like vitamin deficiency or other medical conditions, those may be reversible. So that's why it's imperative that patients go to health professionals so that they can be worked up. But you know, when it comes to going to the doctor right. when you're losing, when you think maybe you're losing your mind, mm -hmm. it can be a scary proposition because I don't know that anyone wants the diagnosis of Alzheimer's. So do you think that part of the delay in diagnosing in African American and Hispanic communities is because we're afraid of the diagnosis? That is one of the reasons, Ms. Adams. Not only being fearful that um, something, is go something is going wrong, mm -hmm. but also fearful of the responsibility of what that means in regards to caregiving. All of those factors play a role in the delay of diagnosis, and also stigma as well. This survey by the Alzheimer's Foundation of America pointed out that both patients as well as caregivers in the African-American community were concerned about stigma. So all of these play a role in delaying that diagnosis. And it's so important mm -hmm. for us to, how do I say, conquer that fear because the delay um, is not good. I also understand, according to the report, that African Americans are less likely to be aware of the treatment available for Alzheimer's. Yes, um, there are several FDA-approved medications for Alzheimer's disease, and these medications are aimed at slowing the progression of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. African Americans were less likely to be aware of those treatments, and in fact, 67% of the caregivers um, were not aware of combination therapy, and that's taking medications from two different classes of Alzheimer's disease, and they work collaboratively together. I see. So um, that's why it's so important for these outreach efforts to continue so that our people know about appropriate diagnosis and they know about appropriate treatment options. Because by having all of that information, you can not only delay the symptoms and progression of the disease, but also improve the quality of life. Absolutely. We looked at research, and patients that are started on a 
appropriate medication, mm-hmm. oftentimes end up with a delay in being placed in a nursing home. When we come back, we're going to talk about the stigma and what we can do to help rid that stigma in our community. This is Talk with Audrey, and we'll be right back. Dr. Faison, I, I want to pick up. You mentioned that there is often a stigma associated with the correct diagnosis of Alzheimer's in the African-American and Hispanic communities. Yes. Why that? I mean, Alzheimer's is a disease. It's one that we may or may not encounter, and I, I just don't understand the stigmatizing of that disease. Well, in the community, when people have Alzheimer's disease, um, there's an impression um, that they're losing their mind, um, that something's wrong with them, and it can be very stigmatizing. And so often in the African-American community, there's a tendency to want to keep that information in the closet. We don't Mm -hmm. want to talk to anybody about it. We don't want to talk to other neighbors. We don't want to talk to other family members, and we don't want to talk about it to the doctor. And... Initially, we may have some concerns about our loved one, or it may be ourselves that we have concerns about, but we kind of push that underneath the rug because we don't, we don't want to share it with anyone. Are we also afraid of some of the behaviors that are associated with Alzheimer's? I'm sure that's a part of it. With Alzheimer's disease, behavioral problems are common. Not all patients with Alzheimer's disease um, experience behavioral problems, but it is a common occurrence with Alzheimer's disease. And yes, for some people, um, families, as well as patients and people living in the community, that can be very frightening. But there are medications and there are interventions, for example, social interventions, Mm -hmm. that often can be very helpful in treating those behavioral problems. Now, Alzheimer's is not curable. It's not curable. And currently, so it's managed. It's a disease that is managed, but absolutely. not cured. And medications that are FDA approved currently are aimed to delay the progression of the symptoms because we don't have a cure. So in terms of diagnosing Alzheimer's, what is, what is that process? Well, the first thing we would like to happen when um, a patient has concerns about their memory or the loved one has concerns about the patient's memory is that they go to a health professional Mm -hmm. and describe those concerns to that health professional. Hopefully, they will receive a memory screening. Now, interestingly enough, this survey by the Alzheimer's Foundation of America pointed out that African Americans were less likely to be offered a memory screening, so that contributed Mm -hmm. to the delay. Okay, And so it's very important that patients receive a memory screening. Now, the memory screening lasts about 15 or 20 minutes. Mm -hmm. The patient and the loved one caring for the patient will be asked a few questions in regards to memory. They will be asked about their medications because sometimes medications that patients that are taking Mm -hmm. may affect memory. So the health professional wants to ascertain the medications that they're on, just to try to tease out, okay, is this a medication problem or is there something else going on? Once that memory screening is done, the health professional as well as the patient and caregiver will talk and decide what needs to be the follow-up assessment, okay? Mm -hmm. Because when you do a memory screening, that is often not enough 
to diagnose Alzheimer's disease. So if there are some red flags, if you will, that develop on the memory screening, then that patient most likely will be referred probably to a geriatric psychiatrist or a neurologist um, so that they can be assessed fully mm-hmm. to get that diagnosis and to rule out other uh, medical problems. So after you have the memory screening, and you should probably ask your doctor, don't be afraid to go to the doctor first to address the situation because it could be that your memory loss is as a result of a vitamin deficiency, mm-hmm. other medications or a combination of medications that you might be taking, mm-hmm. or what was the other one, doctor? Stress. <laughs> Stress. Stress Thank you very much. Thank you. Stress. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean, though, that you will be diagnosed with Alzheimer's. Correct. In terms of the follow-up diagnosis after the memory screening, what's involved in that? Well, the patient goes to the doctor, and they will be asked, again, very similar to the memory screening, a series of questions probably more in-depth than the memory screening. Mm -hmm. Medical history, family history, a physical examination, a neurological examination, and probably a routine set of laboratories Mm -hmm. will be drawn um, and completed. And that will help the health professional tease out what exactly is going on. Is this Alzheimer's disease or is it something else? We're going to come back in a moment with more about Alzheimer's. We're back, and my guest is Dr. Warshall Faison, the Assistant Director of the Institute for Research Minority Training on Mental Health and Aging, and Clinical Director of the Alzheimer's Research and Clinical Programs at the Medical University of South Carolina. We've been talking about Alzheimer's, its impact on families and caregivers, and we're trying to encourage people, if they think that they have the symptoms, to go to their physician and ask for a memory test. It's, according to Dr. Faison, it takes about 15 minutes, Dr. Faison? Yes, 15 to 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes. All right. Now, what sorts of questions should you ask your doctor about Alzheimer's if you think you might be at risk for that? Well, if you're concerned about your memory, you really want to ask your doctor for a memory screening. And if he or she brushes you off and you're still concerned, ask the doctor to refer you to someone else who can do the memory screening. It's so important to be proactive. Um, Doctors are very busy, as you can imagine, um, and sometimes they're targeting those key areas like hypertension and cholesterol. And although those are very important, our memory is too. Um, One of the things that I tell my patients is, you know, Taking your blood pressure medication is very important. Taking your anti-cholesterol medication is very important. But if you don't have a good brain that reminds you to mm-hmm. take those medications, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very important for patients to be very proactive um, in their care and to make sure and to request of their doctor to do a memory screening. There was one aspect of the report um, that I found very encouraging. Mm-hmm. Uh, And that was when I learned that we are caring for our own. Yes, yes. And that also stems, Ms. Adams, from that um, desire to be responsible for our elders. Mm -hmm. Um, And and as you know, there's a great pride in us, in African Americans, in doing that. Our parents 
and our grandparents have taken care of us, so it's now our turn to take care of our loved ones. And in fact, the survey pointed out that African Americans were less likely to think of nursing homes mm-hmm. in regards to the care of their loved one. Um, they, in fact, wanted to take care of their loved one at home as long as possible. And you can imagine with Alzheimer's disease, you know, as the memory becomes more progressive and patients are not able to take care of themselves and their loved one is assuming that responsibility. Mm -hmm. You can imagine how much caregiver burden that is. And so that's why it's so important, and particularly in the African-American community, that outreach efforts are in place so that um, African-American caregivers feel supported. And speaking of support, say you're a friend of a friend that you know is dealing with Alzheimer's. How can you support your friends in the process? Support them in many ways. One, inform yourself in regards to what Alzheimer's disease is. Um, There's so many efforts out there. For example, the Alzheimer's Foundation of America, as well as other advocacy groups. You mentioned, Ms. Adams, the Alzheimer's Association, um, where they have various educational efforts, either online Mm -hmm. or support groups or 24-hour hotlines. And it's very important as friends and caregivers to be informed of what Alzheimer's disease is, what support is out there, and what treatments are available. That's the first thing. The second thing is caregivers um, oftentimes are so busy taking care of their loved ones that they're not taking care of themselves. Mm, And so, so just calling them up and saying, hey, I've got four or five hours on me, or I've got one hour. Mm. Let me come by and watch mom while you go and run errands. You know, why don't you just go and just take a nap and not worry about mom's safety because I'm going to watch mom for you for for the next hour or so. Little things like that can do so much. To be aware and to help remove the stigma that is often associated with Alzheimer's in our community. Where else should we go to get help? Um, Several places. For example, the main place that I'm going to direct you to is the Alzheimer's Foundation of America website. And that is www.alzfdn.org. Repeat, www.alzfdn.org. Alternatively, they can call, and that number is 866-232-8484. If you think that you might perhaps be experiencing some of the symptoms of Alzheimer's, or if you know a family member, I urge you, please, go to your doctor, ask for the memory test, Dr. Faison, I want to thank you so much for joining me on Talk with Audrey. Go to theadamsreport.com to learn more about Alzheimer's and Dr. Faison and of the signs and symptoms of Alzheimer's. Dr. Faison, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. I'm Audrey Adams. You've been listening to Talk with Audrey. I'll see you next week. You've been listening to Talk with Audrey with Audrey Adams. Talk with Audrey 
interviews with celebrities, guest experts, and authors with information that affects your life. Log on to theadamsreport.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.